in conversation with Paul Wood, AO, Director, Dairy Australia, talking about protein options that recognise the importance of sustainably and ethically produced Australian beef and its potential in global markets. Paul Wood, we're here at Global Table. Um, we've heard a lot over the last three days around uh, innovation in the food production and supply area. And one of the topics which has come up repeatedly is around protein alternatives. We've heard uh, new protein alternatives, meat-free meat, chicken-free chicken, um, and you know some interesting issues around uh, insect-driven uh, protein as well. A lot of those new alternatives are probably looking to eat away a little bit uh, at the meat sector, so the livestock sector. It's been an interesting debate that's really kind of unfolded over the last yeah. year. So, um, and we've seen a lot of uh, different opinions uh, come into this debate. Where do, you, where do you think the future is going to lie for this uh, this debate at the moment? Yeah, so look, I, I think there's clearly an opportunity for the alternate, alternate threads. I don't think it's anywhere near that what some people are talking about. Um, uh, and to be honest, it's not, it's not the, the main game. You know, uh, if you look at the value of, of the meetings around the world, we're talking about trillions of dollars. Um, one of the things I've been talking about is just saying, guys, guys, this is fantastic, but the reality is we're not going to replace livestock. I mean, FAO's data says we're looking at significant increases in, in uh, meat consumption, particularly in the developing nation. We could probably afford to eat a little less um, uh, in, you know, in our own countries, um, but it's still going to be there. You know, so that's really important. So we're not going to replace it. Uh, the reality is uh, we talk about the population growth of 9 to 10 billion. I mean, that population growth is in Africa, it's in India, it's, it's you know, that these, often these options are for um, Western people who already have options and can afford options. That's not the situation in Africa, it's not the right. situation in India. So those middle class uh, veggie burgers are not going to solve the world's uh, hunger problem? I don't, I, look, I don't, I don't think they are. <laughs> I think the other issue we've still got to deal with yet is the nutritional aspect. Um, we know that vegetables are good for you. But there are people now questioning these, some of these very highly processed, that's not all of these products, but some of these highly processed that are high in salt, um, uh, how good are they nutritionally? So that's another area that's got to be worked out. There's no doubt the marketplace is running away with it. I mean, if you look at the valuation on Beyond uh, Meat, I mean, they grew to a valuation at their peak of 14 billion US. 14 billion? 14 billion. They don't make any money. Yeah. You know, they don't, the Uber. they don't make any money. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, there's all this competition coming. So, you know, the, 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 it's, the traditional retailers aren't and manufacturers, they're not sitting back. They're all actually looking at launching their own products. So, we're going to see a glut of products come into this market. The figure I've heard is that. At the moment on the supermarkets, about 3% of the supermarket shelf is sort of the vegan alternatives. Let, let's assume it grows to 10%. It's still 10% of the overall food business. So if we think about sustainability and, and the issues around sustainability in agriculture are real, I mean the figures to the IPC report, 25% I think of uh, greenhouse gases from the ag industry as a whole. Yep. Um, we need to do something about that. So, but we need to drive sustainability all the way through our value chains. Everybody's got to be looking at it. We've got Meat Livestock Australia saying that we, they believe we could be 
carbon neutral for the red meat industry by 2030. Some people just want to look at it and say, oh, they can't do that. Let's compliment for trying. Let's actually get behind them and say, what a great goal to have. You know, you know we hope you can meet it. But the reality is, if you even went halfway, that, wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you are seeing some producers that are coming out and oh, this, they are carbon neutral. Just at know, this so, meeting we've yeah. seen some fantastic producers talking about not only am I carbon neutral but I'm using less water, um, you know, uh, I, I can't remember his name, but talked the other day that if all of the red meat industry converted across to the systems he's using, we would actually solve our whole carbon situation, not just for agriculture, but for Australia. What a fantastic story. Yeah. So, so we just need to get the balance right. Uh, we need to get some of the hype out of it. Uh, we need to focus on nutrition. Uh, uh, we need to focus on, on the high value. You know, and it, even you know, when you look at the talk to the alternative people, they're concerned about some of the, as they say, junk alternatives coming onto the market and what they could do to the alternative approach of the market. You, know? you just dump stuff out there and it's really not going to help anyone. So we really have to focus on quality of those products. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, meat, milk, animal products are going to be there. I do a bit of work in Africa with the Gates Foundation and you know, simple crop figures there, 25% of the, of the fertilizer for crops comes from manure, from livestock. 25% of the draft power comes from livestock. So what happens if you take the livestock out of the equation? You get synthetic fertilizers, you get uh, high energy you know, going into that draft power. Um, FEO data, 90, what is it, 80, sorry, 86% of what livestock eat is not digestible by humans. So you've got these livestock out there grazing these grasslands, turning mm. it into a product that we can eat, mm. a quality product. Mm. Um, so it's a misnomer that uh, we could just take the animals off the land and use that land for most, coffee. Because... Most of that land's not arable. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, uh, you know, in Australia, uh, you know, it, there's just not water there. Yeah, 81% right. is the rangelands, yeah. which uh, wouldn't yeah. support any yeah. other kind of cropping. Yeah, so, and, and let alone, you know, someone was talking to you, you, you take the livestock out, and the root populations will explode. And in many areas, they overgraze on, on these areas. So, so we've got to make sure we get the balance right. You know, we are a delicate country. We've got the most variable climate. Um, so we have to protect that. Um, but I think people need to respect that farmers have actually been good stewards of the land for a long time. You know, and their asset is their land and their animals. And they, they, if they don't respect them, they will not be in business. Mm, yeah. um, but for me, the metronome is still swinging uh, a bit, and this is probably the debate we needed yeah, to have. Yeah. Uh, and the livestock industry has been challenged by this yeah. and has responded in a positive way to attempt to change yeah. uh, some of those uh, fundamental problems with, with that production side, yeah. linked with greenhouse gases and linked with particularly overconsumption within yeah. Western, uh, yeah. Western countries. Yeah. So the, the, the outcome will yeah. be a positive one, both for individual health yeah. uh, and also for, yeah. for, for sustainability. Yeah, look, one of the nice things for, you know, the dairy board that I'm on, the dairy industry, is, you know, the Reason Heart Foundation, you know, re recommendations are eat more dairy. I mean, the calcium levels, uh, bone breaks in, in elderly. Um, so, you know, dairy was one of the, those things always go up and down. Um, I mean, one of the interesting thing is, is the labeling thing. Some of people are getting pretty hot up and said, you can't use the word meat, you can't use the word milk. I've tended to be a 
the bit of saying, look, do we really need to get into that argument? Uh, but one thing that came out of a recent survey said that 50% of people who were drinking almond milk and soy milk were doing it because they believed it was healthier for them. That's a problem. Because if someone, if you've got a pregnant woman and she is actually thinks that's the case, then she's going to have a problem. So we do need to be a bit careful. People aren't necessarily great on understanding nutrition. Yeah. Um, yep. So we do need to help people on that. Uh, and some of those animal products have a range of micronutrients yep. and macronutrients that aren't delivered in other forms as effectively. Yes. So the amino acid profile, particularly with essential amino acids, yeah. you get a perfect balance in meat and eggs. Yeah. Uh, you get an imperfect balance within yeah. many uh, plant products unless you combine them from nuts, you know, yeah. pulses, leafy vegetables. And even then, you know, people are saying, yeah. hey, you know, if you if you just put it all together in a pot and say, hey, this equals this. <laughs> Um, the way we actually absorb those is different when they're in natural products versus when you just blend them all together. Yeah. So it's not as simple as, oh, look at my profile, it matches your profile. It's actually the absorption profile that we really need to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's imagine a future where uh, the average Australian does decrease uh, the amount of meat uh, they eat um, uh, and uh, producers become much more uh, aware, move towards a more sustainable uh, situation, become carbon yeah. neutral, uh, focus on uh, high quality uh, meat. So that meat would also be a premium product to yes. be exported uh, from Australia for global demand as well. Oh, We're I never going to be able to feed the world from yeah. the meat we produce here in Australia, but we can export that as a premium product. Yeah, we, we talk about producing enough food to feed 60 million people. So we're well off being the food bowl of Asia. That's right. You know. That's right. But value, I'll give you one example. I uh, did some work for AACO, the big cattle operation in, in Australia, you know, 1% uh, of the land mass of Australia, 60,000 head. Their topped premium uh, steak sells for $200 a steak. You know, so that's sort of at that top end. You know, that's did you try one? I didn't. I got the second. <laughs> second. I was supposed to. We actually had Bill Gates come and visit the, the property and have a look at what's happening. Yeah. And I uh, it was the day I had to be, uh, you know, being elected to the dairy board, so I couldn't make it. But I think he ate three of them. Uh, and and just showing off. Yeah. No, he, and he's a hamburger guy. Okay. And at the end of it, he said, I just didn't realise how beautiful they were because yeah. they're, they're melt in the mouth. Mm. You know. Mm. That's the other interesting thing. You know, I, doesn't really come out a lot in the discussion when we talk about. Uh, alternative meats. We're actually talking about alternative burger. Yeah. You know, so in the US, where I think burger is about 50% of the meat industry, it's not here. It's not in many other countries. So this isn't prime steak uh, that we're talking about. This is hamburger. Yeah. Um, and that sometimes gets lost. We just lump it all as meat. The other thing is just the mix. So we're already seeing the rise of, of chicken. Um, it's actually the cheapness that's driving that. It's not taste, it's, you know, it's actually, it's a very cheap protein. Uh, fish is another one, you know, and again, from a health point of view, uh, aquaculture is already overtaken um, um, ocean port uh, seafood as wild harvest. So we're seeing some of those changes, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see some of those changes. And we need to we need to move on to a sustainable footing, yeah. uh, particularly for fish stocks yeah. and aquaculture. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, for the first time, it has overtaken yeah. uh, uh, wild harvest. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. you know, just you know, to say, you know, one of the fantastic why it's great to be in at that moment mm. is that goal of taking us from a 60 billion 
to 100 billion, you know, the, the National Farmers Federation goal. You know, it, it's a real attainable goal. You know, you want to be part of an industry that's like that, that has this audacious goal of being 100 billion, particularly when two thirds of that's exported. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, we need those industries in this country. And that's through premiumization, yeah. mainly, isn't it? Yeah. You're going to achieve that target. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also efficiencies, um, efficiencies uh, digitization, uh, in, in, you know, in another areas. Lots of fantastic ag tech companies here um, doing a whole range of things from robotics to so, drive. So that is interesting. So let's yeah. leave the protein stuff yeah. alone for a minute. Yeah. So uh, the ag tech uh, industry, I mean, agriculture is going through the biggest revolution since the industrial revolution, yeah. I think, in terms of turnover of technology yeah. and new technologies coming in. We've got a lot of new technologies that are largely untried yeah. uh, within the sector. Um, and there's probably a lot of expensive mistakes uh, yeah. that are being made out there. What do you see as some of the key, most exciting ag tech developments that are coming in, uh, in, in that kind of area? I'm going to pick my favourite, you know, you know, the advent of gene editing just opens up so many avenues for us. We are seeing a revolution in new varieties, um, you know, plants that are more drought tolerant, that have better nutritional value, uh, animals that are naturally dehorned, uh, plants that are resistant to major diseases, you know, that technology uh, is fundamentally going to change agriculture. And of all the things that's going to have the biggest impact, actually on environment too, because remember, you use some of these products as less chemical spray, uh, we're not the big mortality rates. You know, you can guarantee if you think about China at the moment with African swine fever, where they've lost 30%. You can guarantee that they'll be gene editing their pigs looking at, yep. at a solution because we've struggled to make a vaccine for African swine fever. Mm. So that's the other way around that. Mm. Um, so that's my favourite. Um, but and, I think. And gene editing, a kind of herd re resilience. So it's not just a single uh, genotype, but it's a number of genotypes that then give resilience to certain pests and diseases. It's just, yeah. it's just precision, of, precision of changes. We're not adding anything, we're just often just silencing a gene. Um, you know, taking allergens out of, out of food, uh, for instance. So there's so many applications there. Um, we do a good job of this in Australia. We've got some, some strong centres in this. Um, it's not just a technology for developed nations, it's critically important uh, in developing nations. I know working with the Gates Foundation, they're heavily investing in, in these technologies, particularly for crops, particularly at the disease resistance issues in, in Africa. Um, that's going to be fantastic. But um, precision egg, you know, uh, there are drones to measure most things. There are sensors to measure. We have to understand water conservation better in this country. A third of the energy costs on farms is pumping water around. Energy costs have gone through the roof, so we have to do a better job of that. Um, Biodigesters, you know, on farms, you know, when... Reducing the food waste and uh, creating a circular economy. Yeah. Food waste is yeah. another area. Again, yeah. Yeah. it's different from developing nations. Most in, in developed nations, it's mostly pre-farm gate because there's a lack of transport and, and refrigeration. Uh, here, it's post-farm gate. Um, uh, so, technologies, I'm, I'm on a little company called Karma3, you know, a black soldier fly to break down organic waste and produce a high quality protein as pet food. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's some really exciting technologies out there. Um, it's also great now to see it not just be in the cities. We're seeing regional startup hubs happening, places like Wodonga, etc., mm. uh, Townsville, etc. 
and, and so we're actually seeing far, farming community enter this. Mm. Our farmers have always been innovative. Yeah, yeah. So now they've been recognised as being innovative. Yeah, yeah. 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 now and they've, they've been, been given support and uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and we marry them up with these people. We've yeah. got these young kids coming in from the IT industry, from the finance industry. They don't know ag, but they know their tech. Mm. And you marry those. Right. And it's a great so farming of the future requires, you know, technologists. It requires business yeah. sense, uh, you know, accountancy sense, yeah. knowledge of the land, yeah. uh, management of those resources. You're going to see that combination of expertise yeah. come together to manage that asset. And, and we've got to keep attracting the young into ag. You know, the age of, of farmers yeah. uh, is getting older. I'm excited uh, when I look at the, our dairy network. We have 1,200 young people in the dairy network around Australia. That's pretty exciting. That's good. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what you get uh, the sense of at these types of meetings. Yeah. And it's really interesting at Global Table. You know, they, they have the teen innovator, they have yeah. the young future leaders that are presenting alongside yeah. the more experienced heads like yeah. yourself uh, yeah. with them. So um, I might just uh, wrap up with yeah. a, a last question, Paul. So we're, yeah. we're here with Global Table. We have a wrapper uh, around uh, the whole um, the whole entity in terms of the sustainability goals. Um, which of those sustainability goals uh, most resonates with you? I think the hunger one is, is the one for me. You know, when you heard um, Howard Shapiro talked to us the other day about stunting in young children, you know, 48% in Africa. And this isn't, this is pre-age of five. They don't grow out of that. You know, they, they have permanent issues because of that stunting, that, you know, that sort of nutrition deficiency. That's scandalous in the world we live in. So we have to do something about that. It's why I work with people like the Gates Foundation because they are essentially about making sure people do have nutritious diets. Okay. Well, thank hey, you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. In conversation with Andy Lowe, a series of podcasts looking at food, biological resources, sustainability and innovation.